Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. How are you doing today, Andrew? I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I am losing my voice, so apologies to the listeners in advance. I do sound a little croaky and not in a good way. So, uh, as I've not, you know, I'm pretty good. Uh, payday is looming, thank Christ. So, uh, how are you, buddy? Good. Just, you know, still staying busy, trying to stay above water, keep up with things. Um, ready for the weekend, I guess. So, yeah, doing good. Awesome, awesome. So with today we are very lucky to have Tyler from um, Liquidware Labs uh, joining us um, and we're going to have a little conversation about Tyler and Liquidware Labs in general. Tyler, uh, thanks very much for joining us, man. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here, boys. Happy uh, happy Tuesday. Or is it Wednesday? No, it's Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday. Yeah, I've, I'm All a little right. lost. I've been doing a, I've been doing exams for the last couple of days and I've kind of been working working at home in my sweats and it's, uh, yeah, I've, I've lost track of the days altogether. So I agree. I agree with you there, man. Um, so look, we, we had the, we had the, we had the utmost pleasure of, of meeting at Synergy uh, last year and kind of m- making an acquaintance. And obviously here at Frontline Chatter, we're very friendly with, with, with Liquidware Labs because I mean, you guys sponsor us, which is awesome. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, kicking straight into it, you know, let, let's, um, for anybody who hasn't uh, had the pleasure of meeting uh, Tyler yet, and I mean pleasure because he's a lovely gentleman. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Tyler? You know, kind of how you got started in your IT career and, and where it's taken you so far? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think like all good entrepreneurial stories, it starts with a, a little bit of a disciplinary issue in college. So uh, unlike some who actually got kicked out of college, I uh, was actually asked to not return for a semester. And so it was uh, kind of a, a bummer. All my mates were going off to uh, University of New South Wales in Australia. They were going to go surf and experience another part of the world. And and uh, I myself was not able to go, so I decided I would go to Babson College. Babson College is a, a great little uh, college up here in the Northeast that really focuses on you know, entrepreneurship. And I had a little a small business that I ran in, in, uh, back in high school where I had these little bicycle rickshaws like you'd see over in Singapore. And you know, so I show up at this business college, and my roommate never showed up, or at least the roommate that was assigned to my room. I don't know, maybe he had heard about that. The issues that I'd had uh, at my previous college. So anyway, here I am alone in this two, uh, you know, two room suite, nothing to do other than take classes. So I decided to, to start another business. So I, I got a little lucky and uh, started a, a trolley shuttle bus business. I, there was a big outlet mall, actually, it's still here to this day, that runs around where we operate. I had these trolley shuttle buses that stopped at all the doors of all the stores and. Did that for a couple of years. Sold the company when I graduated college. Finally, did uh, finally was allowed to go back to the original one, and uh, I just did what every I think uh, young entrepreneur that makes a little money did. I decided I'd become a stockbroker, <laughs> which was uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That is some move. Yeah, yeah. So I, here I am, you know, losing most of my money in the stock market. One day, this client, um, I actually didn't have a client. Uh, came in, he said, hey, you know, you should come work for me. And I said, well, man, you know, what is it that you do? I, I see you coming in and depositing a fair amount of money, and I see some of your young employees, you know, in their 20s and 30s investing with me. You know, what do you do? He said, well, I own a, a computer reseller called Green Pages. And I said, oh, man, I could never sell used computers. It's way beneath me. Look at me. I'm a stockbroker, for goodness sake. He said, no, 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 it's not what we do. And he explained how hardware and software manufacturers actually made stuff, and that it actually went to distributors like Ingram and Tech Data and Maricel and Cenex. I know I'm dating myself because a lot of those folks are not around anymore or have merged or gone other way. And uh, he said, I think he'd be perfect for it. And I said, all right, I'm in. And I, I got, I think, very lucky uh, that he gave me an opportunity to escape the the brutal uh, ups and downs of the stock market. And so it was my 
beginning of technology career in 93. Did that for about, I don't know, about eight or nine years. And then one day, this was actually pretty cool, a bunch of my peers came to me and said, um, hey, you know, we just came back from the West Coast, met this really eccentric couple named Mendel and Diane, uh, this other crazy guy named Ragu. They got this little company called VMware, and uh, they got about four salespeople, but we're going to start a company to go help the, the nerds and the geeks and the people that are playing around with this stuff in dark and dingy basement labs, we're actually going to help it get into production. And so, you know, I guess it's a log-witted way of saying, you know, from a guy that started with bicycle rickshaws, uh, somehow made my way into the virtualization market back in, you know, 02 and 03. And I think some of the rest is somewhat known where, you know, kind of uh, VMware grew up next to us and eventually acquired that company called Fotus in late 07. I, Helped launch their enterprise desktop team right after we bought Prepero, um, which was somewhat changed, and then Thinstall, which is now ThinApp, obviously. And uh, after about a year of hearing clients and partners and prospects and system integrators say, hey, VDI sounds really cool, but it's kind of broken, um, I decided, oh, that's enough of that. i got to go start a company, and that's that's where Liquid Roll Labs came from. So I called an old friend. You guys might remember, uh, well, I know you probably remember Vision Corp, ESX Ranger, V Ranger, kind of the first backup and, uh, and DR play when it came to virtualization. So that was Dave Benneman, gave him a call and said, hey, let's start a software company and put up a website. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> As one tends to do in you know their mid-2000s. So yeah, that's a little bit of a meandering uh, kind of introduction to who I am and maybe a little bit about the way my brain works. That's awesome. Okay, so yeah, I mean you're you're obviously an entrepreneur true and true, and you've you kind of you were kind of right in there at the cusp of the of the virtualization kind of the spin up with VMware. I still remember those early versions of VMware that you used to run on the workstations. And, oh yeah, uh, it, was, it, was, it was such yeah. a toy, wasn't it? I mean, it was it was lovely. It was it was this real kind of inception moment. Hold on a second, that machine is running a couple of VMs at the or machines at the same time. I remember looking at it going, "Oh, this is wonderful." But how? Why would I use this? You know, and obviously it it blew up, and you know, uh, and off I went from there you know but uh, yeah, it's no, still it's... crazy to think about the fact and you probably remember jari i know you probably do that you know up until even 2007 2008 it was really hard to find an exchange server running on a hypervisor i mean people were starting to dabble but it wasn't until even like 2008 2009 that we actually started hearing about big deployments you know on uh, on esx so anyway <laughs> what did we know back then right i mean four and a half billion years of uh history of the earth and we just happen to be born in the time of virtualization you know go figure i, I don't think i would have been a good shepherd anyway <laughs> no no me neither no absolutely i don't like the cold and <laughs> sheep kind of freak me out but however uh, <laughs> you know so i mean obviously now you're with liquidware labs and you know it's uh it's a phenomenal uh company we we got a we got an intro or we did a podcast with um with your CTO only a while back again, Jason, and nice. um, it was you know uh, Jason Maddox, and uh, you know what I really like about the Liquidware solution is that you cover pretty much every facet of a virtualization product or project from from desktop sort of you know you do the UEM piece, you do the monitoring piece, you do storage acceleration, you know, and now you're you're in the application market as well, you know. Um, so Liquidware, for, for in my mind, you know, if you were to look at them as a UEM vendor, they're probably one of the biggest UEM vendors that 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 broadly stretch across everything else. Similarly, if you 
you were looking at them as a monitoring vendor, they're, they're, they're a good monitoring vendor with a whole lot of additional toys there to play with as well, you know. So if you haven't looked at Liquidware Labs before, you should definitely have a look because um, they probably have a solution to whatever pain you're feeling at the moment. Um, what, does that cover everything off? Like, have I, have I missed a key point there anywhere? No, no. I mean, I, I think it's a very, very fair summary. And I think the cool thing, you know, that we've always tried to focus on, and I mean, this goes back to some of the early PowerPoints that, that I built, you know, back when we first launched the company. And, and of course, the message we always rolled out there was at the end of the day, you know, our belief, and it still is true to this day, was what we're all trying to do. You know, no matter how many podcasts or how many webinars we go to or, you know, white papers we write or read, at the end of the day, all of us, vendors and practitioners, or I think we're trying to build reliable, productive workspaces for these users that show up at work every day. <laughs> and we're trying to do it out of this assembly of sometimes complex, sometimes confusing, and sometimes unreliable parts. And so I guess our contribution was, okay, in the effort of providing a productive workspace, you know, there's a ton of different ways to deliver Windows. I can put it on a laptop. I can install it on a hard drive on a tower. I can deliver it through a persistent or non-persistent virtual machine. I can publish apps with ZenApp. I can publish desktops. You know, there's a, a ton of different things that, that we have at our disposal. And so what we wanted to do, I guess our supporting cast member, you know, uh, underdog position in all this was, you know, visibility, Obviously, user environment management, the application layering, and and I'm glad you brought up Flex.io because there's actually some really interesting stuff happening in the IFS acceleration market. And it's and it's funny because in the beginning, I think a lot of folks are like, "Wow, they, they seem to be you know spread a, a little bit thin here." But it always is kind of reinvigorating when you know this little underdog company called Liquidor Labs is now you know toe to toe with some of these you know, billion dollar platforms. I, I can't obviously mention the customer names, but it was a fun fourth quarter actually, you know, going up against app volumes here and, you know, going up against uh, maybe AppSense over there or Lakeside over here. And, you know, to be fair, um, you know, it's great competition. And I think that to me is, you know, what, what the innovation in the market's all about. We have to have competitors, all of us, big and small, um, you know, to really, you know, hone out and hammer out some of these solutions for customers. I don't know. Hopefully that made sense. It sounded logical when I was thinking it. <laughs> no, no. It made, it, it, yeah, no, it, it made perfect sense, to be honest. I mean, it, you know, when it comes to these kind of product or projects uh, mm-hmm. with, with large organizations, you, you know, with most of the vendors and their offerings, even if you go up to the, to the top level enterprise or platinum, depending on which vendor you sure. go with, you, you, you kind of always find yourself wanting additional products to cover off maybe monitoring. Like, I mean, if you're, if you're not happy with director, maybe monitoring might be sure. an issue. Or you know, if you're not quite happy with uh, with the UEM solution and the VMware stack, then you may be looking at a different vendor as well. And you know, there's there's always space for additional vendors in these kind of projects. I mean, let's be honest. If you're to look at Microsoft, you pretty much need every other vendor as well to, to <laughs> do with that project. You know, and what I liked about what I liked about the Liquidware Labs offering is because you guys are so spread across the, the you know the, the multiple different challenges across it that you know you, you give a good base of solutions across the whole stack as value add on top. You know, so yeah, no, I think I think. We, I think we kind of covered off the same points there. That the same, but yeah, to, to echo that, that's kind of why I like what you guys do so much. Is that uh, you know you have a solution for pretty much every pain point that you're going to come up with across the way. Yeah, and I think the good news for all of us too is you look at this kind of total addressable market. I hate to sound too business schoolish, but you know there's seven or eight hundred million you know Windows workspaces in the enterprise. So no matter how you add that up. You know, there's a there's a lifetime of work for each and every one of us. So it is exciting. I mean, it gets me up and out of bed every morning. You know, what what can we solve today? What can we fix? What should we you know pivot or innovate on? So yeah, it's been a, it's super exciting. You know, six years going into our seventh year now. So never never ceases to amaze me. 
So, you know, starting your, your career, you were mainly VMware focused, you know, and then look at where Rabs kind of became that uh, multi-vendor. So w was there kind of like a learning curve uh, for Citrix Technologies or was it kind of like an easy transition for you? Uh, that's, it was actually a really hard uh, transition. It was hard but quick. Um, I like to say that the, the leap wasn't that far, but it was an awful far way down if we, if we missed the leap. And, you know, kind of going back to that, that introduction, I mean, I think it was very logical in the early days for us to be closely aligned, you know, to VMware. VMware had, you know, acquired my last company. You know, Dave Benjamin and Vision Core had obviously done a ton of work in evangelizing and expanding the, the license footprint of ESX or, you know, now vSphere. And so, you know, when we launched Liquidware, it was just very logical to be, to be part of that ecosystem. You know, I would say front and center, you know, if I'm being honest, that was, that was where we gravitated to. And, you know, I think that it was, um, it was interesting and probably one mistake that I made, you know, kind of looking back was thinking that, you know, big companies have a memory <laughs> that the work you did in the early days, you know, somehow, uh, you know, gave you carte blanche to, um, you know, to ensure your, your place moving forward. And, you know, again, as an entrepreneur, as any business person, you know, we all learn lessons. Some are, some are tough, some are painful. Um, but the good news is that if you're actually paying attention you know, you learn something. And so one of the things we learned, you know, about a year ago, actually, it's, it's kind of interesting that it's uh, literally this week, a year ago, was where we kind of came to the conclusion mutually, by the way, with VMware that, you know, we were going to be uh, better competitors <laughs> moving forward than we were going to be better uh, alliance partners. And so we, we came to grips with that. And I think one thing that's been incredibly, I don't want to say shocking, but reinvigorating is just the open arms that both Citrix and companies like Nutanix, you know, have shown us. I mean, clearly, you know, they've each got their individual messages. They've each got their individual history, um, you know, and and obviously, you know, customer roles going way back. I mean, you know, obviously a lot longer with Citrix than Nutanix. Um, but again, as as our moniker states or as our definition of being the underdog Kind of puts us in that box. Um, you know, we can do as much to complete and augment their platforms, whether it's kind of simplicity, invisible infrastructure, the message that Nutanix is going with, or you know, this kind of getting back to the basics that that we're reading out of Citrix. You know, there's a place for us in that ecosystem. I mean, the really cool thing was we just um, obviously we're out at Summit. I know we're going to chat about that in a second, but we were flattered that a senior product manager came to speak at our sales kickoff, which we had, you know, after Citrix Summit. Um, that's something that never happened, you know, given our alliance with uh, with VMware back in the day. Um, same thing with Nutanix, you know, sent some end-user computing um, geniuses uh, and some, some practitioners to our sales kickoff. And that was really refreshing and invigorating. And I think the coolest thing, aside from just, you know, who are you meeting with and who are you hanging out with, is customers. You know, we, we kind of, you know, did a big webinar Oh man, what was that? Probably third quarter of last year, we had like 700 and something people sign up, you know, and that message resounded that when you think about invisible infrastructure, you think Nutanix. When you think about, you know, the core way to deliver Windows, you know, to productive workspaces, you think Citrix. And then I think it was your point, Andrew, when you think about some of the icing on the cake or some of the, the fringe use cases where you might need application layering or UEM or monitoring or even IOPS acceleration, which does work insanely well on Nutanix, you know, that's where Liquid Labs comes in. So yeah, very, it was a very interesting, you know, past 12 months. I did a lot of growing up, I think a lot of soul searching, 
And, you know, I think happily, the good news is that here we are a year later and we've never been busier, you know, so I guess that that very mature decision to compete with VMware versus align with them um, is kind of paying off. So. Yeah, hopefully, well, hopefully they feel the same way. <laughs> well, yeah, time will tell, I suppose. Yeah, time yeah. will tell. Um, I know it's interesting as well because I mean, I you know, particularly a year or two ago, before VMware made all of those acquisitions, the additional products, I suppose, looking at the Citrix portfolio, you probably had a lot more at your disposal, or at least it was a little more of a baked solution back then. But in fairness to VMware, they have um, they have upped their game with the RDS, uh, you know, the, the new access points and that kind of stuff. So you yeah, know, it's 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 good to see. It's good to see. So I mean, you guys were at Summit as you mentioned. Uh, how did you get on over at Summit? Well, Summit was great. I mean, that was kind of where the rubber met the road. I mean, we've been doing a lot of, I don't want to call it pre-gaming, but, you know, a lot of marketing, a lot of messaging, um, a lot of very high-level, you know, planning in and around, you know, our place and our participation in the Citrix ecosystem. And first and foremost, I mean, I think you guys know it, obviously, given your your history with Citrix. What an what actual partner-friendly company. And I'm not saying that to ding VMware. I mean, you know, obviously, they've got their... Well, they used to have their partner exchange, and now they've kind of lopped that together. But, you know, the whole mantra when I showed up at Summit this year, and maybe it was a little different than the summits before that we had attended, was, you know, how open and embracing they are of their entire ecosystem. And that's channel partners all the way down to, you know, a, a kiosk vendor that might have one solution that helps with, you know, printing or, you know, some type of cloud something. So um, that was the first, you know, kind of, aha, we're here and, wow, everything we read and felt is actually coming to pass. Um, again, you know, the participation of Citrix executives at our sales kickoff, the parade of, you know, strong Citrix partners who maybe two or three years ago we hadn't done a ton of work with, it was this whole, you know, kind of feel good mentality of, you know, people rolling up their sleeves, coming to the booth, you know, getting updates on where Stratosphere was. You know, they'd heard something maybe on login process breakdown, which is a, a new feature we built into to Stratosphere, and they wanted to see it. So being able to show that or they wanted to hear about micro isolation, you know, or some of the other elements. Um, so we got along great. Um, I, I will never miss one again, <laughs> so long as they keep holding them. Um, you know, and just the collaborative nature of that whole ecosystem is is really quite refreshing. I think that, you know, you, you walk the floor at some other platforms, major shows, and you kind of get the sense that that major platform is, you know, encroaching on the, the partner's real estate a little bit. You do not get that sense with Citrix. It's um, very inclusive. That's probably the, the operative word I would use to describe Summit this year. Incredibly inclusive. We felt incredibly welcomed. And, you know, just hope that we shared a bit of value back with the, the people that came by to say hello. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds like a, sounds like a really good trip. Um, so yeah, no, I've, uh, I, I didn't go to summit myself. Um, it was, uh, it's normally a, you know, kind of partner event and sure. I, 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 yeah, a synergy is kind of where I, uh, I belong. Um, but well, uh, excited yeah, for that. yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm already looking forward to it to be honest, but yeah, uh, yeah it's a while off already. Um, so I, I hear there were some pretty cool features coming into profile unity. Profile unity is obviously kind of, you know, uh, the, 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 the the guts of your UEM solution. Can you tell us anything about what you're what what you're up to? Yeah, I mean the um, I think the interesting thing, and this is what we're hearing, you know, from customers and prospects that are kind of engaged in these frontline bake offs, is you know, again, as a small entrepreneurial company, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but we never took any formal venture capital dollars, and that was one of the 
the fun facts that we threw up at our sales kickoff, you know, you kind of look around this ecosystem at, you know, whether you're a monitoring company or a layering company, you know, there's an awful lot of dollars or even, you know, absence with their, their Goldman Sachs investments. There's, there's a lot of dollars that have gone into, you know, the UEM space and obviously layering and monitoring as a, as a larger conversation. So, so what we have to do, you know, as the small underdog companies kind of listen to exactly what, you know, the customer, you know, the prospect or even the channel partner needs, you know, kind of right now and, and then obviously going ahead. So I, I guess I'm the long winded way of saying that, you know, our roadmaps tend to be extremely focused because um, we have to execute on them. We can't miss. And so I think the most exciting thing or among the most exciting things right now are um, things like micro isolation. This was, you know, a concept um, and then a technology in our release that we put out over the last quarter, got to show it at, at Summit. And so this specifically um, deals with our, our FlexApp component, which is the, the uh, application layering solution that you know, is, is closely coupled and integrated with Profile Unity, the UEM solution. And so what micro-isolation attempts to do, and it does it very well, unlike, um, let's say, ThinApp or, or AppV for that matter, that completely isolates the application binaries in what we'd call a virtual operating system, where it has kind of limited interaction with the registry. You kind of have isolation mode, merged isolation mode, and, and some other things that potentially happen. And, and that's all important because we, with those solutions, want to completely isolate the app and, you know, make it an object and make it portable. Well, when it comes to layering, you know, when you think about these different volumes being snapped in and out of an operating system, and these volumes happen to have the binaries and you know other stuff that applications need to operate. You know, one of the things you often run into is still is application contention, where you know app A that I snap in in a layer and app B that I snap in in a layer, you know, might have uh, similar components or or previously existing components that contend and you know blow the app up. So micro isolation is a very clean way, you know, to allow the existence of very granular layers. Let's say one app in a layer. And yet still the ability to, you know, stack up a virtually unlimited number of those apps into an operating system without risk of it blowing up. And I guess the contrary use case without geeking out too much is, well, just bake all your apps into, you know, one big fat layer and snap that in and you've already done your testing. I don't know if that solves much. I mean, it kind of gets us back to, you know, put everything in the image. I call it worst case IT. I think that's what a lot of us are battling you know, Moore's Law spoiled us. Everything got powerful and cheap and fast. Um, and because of that, I think, you know, we used to give users resources, specifically applications that they might never use. And so one of the things that I'm, I guess, continuously astounded uh, on with, with layering is the fact that we get to overcome worst case IT. We get to get things to people, you know, just in time. And so, you know, micro-isolation, I think, is a big one. Um, elevation, the the um, lack of requirement to run everyone as a local admin. I think that's a real big deal. We can take either processes or, app, or um, applications and you know, run them in elevated state to allow certain things to happen. I think one thing we're definitely hearing loud and proud from customers is just the integration. The fact that you can now use user environment management solutions, obviously like Profile Unity, you know, to steer the if-then logic of these Flex app layers. And you know, I'd like to get, I'm actually going to give a shout out to AppSense on this. You know, we actually have some joint customers that have made a decision to go with, you know, AppSense for their user environment management solution and yet, you know, want um, FlexApp to, to be the layering solution. And so we, you know, embrace that and, you know, and, and um, you know, hopefully that's a, a trend that continues moving on. Um, yeah, with, with 
stratosphere, I'd say things like the login process breakdown, some really cool new dashboards and GUI elements. And then of course, the API are, are definitely uh, the hot buttons right now. And if it has to do with managing windows at scale, well, you know, we want in. Gotcha. <laughs> and that's the other cool thing is, you know, a lot of people don't realize whether it's physical or VDI or published apps or published desktops, this stuff works across all that stuff. So, so you, you, uh, you mentioned something, um, with the Nutanix earlier, and I've seen you guys have uh, yeah. done some deals together and are actually marketing partners. So can you kind of tell us how mm. you guys kind of fit together and, and what's the synergy and in, in, in your opinion on that partnership? Sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, um, for a while there, I started doing some some speeches and events, and I used to say, stand up in front of everyone and say, hey, you know what? Sometimes I think that VDI stands for very distracting idea. You know, of course, I get my laughs. laughs. You know, people say it's true. But when you think about it, I mean, Jari, I mean, and Andrew, think about all the pain and suffering we all and all your listeners have gone through sizing storage, sizing the host, worrying about network implications, you know, then choosing your hypervisor. I mean, that 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 nine months it used to take to have a VDI baby was very real. And it didn't matter, you know, what size your organization was. I mean, I've seen you know, the nation's largest retailers struggle with it to the same degree that a law firm in Manhattan with, you know, 500 lawyers struggled with. It just, it was very complex stuff. And so, you know, as we became aware of Nutanix, um, as we, I guess, first became aware of, of hyperconvergence as a thing, we were like, hmm, this is kind of interesting. I mean, linear scalability, um, invisible infrastructure, taking a lot of the uh, what about storage? What about IOPS? You know, conversation out of it. And I know there are caveats there, so so don't get me wrong. You know, to us that was tending to get us closer to that that mission statement of can this solution, this Nutanix stuff, help us? You know, together deliver you know productive workspaces with less effort. And the answer was yes. And so the the cool thing was that last year, really the second part of last year, and specifically in the federal government space. Um, you know, we started banging back a, a lot of very nice, you know, transactions and solution stacks with them for for customers that are up and running in production today, and that that's really you know what kind of hammered it home. That you know the the message not only with Nutanix as the alternative and invisible infrastructure, I think gave and you you tell me guys, I mean you guys live this every day. It kind of gave the Citrix practitioner a little more time and elbow room to work on the things that they cared about, which then you know, gave way to Liquidor Labs, you know, being part of the conversation, which is, okay, if I'm worrying less about, you know, storage and compute architecture, and by the way, getting budget to, you know, roll in a huge, you know, Cisco chassis or something like that, or tons of NetApp or EMC, you know, what would I focus on? And the cool thing was, well, I'd, well, I'd focus on making my deployment better. So yeah, I think it goes hand in hand. It started as Marketing, um, the marketing gave way to activity, and the activities now, you know, led to successful deployment. So, I mean, I really, I really couldn't wish for anything better than that. Yeah, there's a couple of comments there that I like that you made about yeah. the. It was kind of the VDI being the distraction because, yeah, in the early days, it was kind of you know the C level would go to an event to read something, and yeah. all of a sudden that was the new shiny thing. Their attention got focused on, but there was a lot of failure in the days because of some of the things you mentioned. And yeah, it, it did take a long time to be. Um, like having a child because it took a long time to get that to come to fruition. So I, 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 I laughed at him, the uh, microphone because I was laughing when he said that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, and the other cool thing is too, and that's one of the reasons that, you know, whether it's us or, or app Vimes or even some of the work Unidesk is doing, you know, it kind of like gets back to the apps. I mean, I, we've always said it's always about, we've always all said it's about the apps, but I feel like this might be the first year that we're actually serious about it. So maybe, 
you know, it's definitely not going to be the year of the desktop, but it could be the year of app delivery. I mean, that'd be kind of cool. Oh, it'd definitely be nice to move off, yeah. And you hit the you, you hit the, the key point there, didn't you? That um, you know, um, all of these solutions and all these value add partner products, um, you know, they they fix real gaps or real problems in the solutions offered by vendors, you know, at the at the default licensing level. And then sure. from that from that point forward, you know, it it is about allowing them to focus in on the bits that they actually want to do. You know, freeing sure. them up away from the away from the humdrum or or day job and, and give, giving them the, the 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 time to think about what's next with with the product that are available to them so yeah I absolutely echo that completely another thing you said there um, worst case IT I think that is a phenomenal saying and I'm stealing that and that's going that's doing my that's that's going into my day to day vocabulary now Uh, I love that Uh, so yeah no okay I I get the the Nutanix and Liquidware partnership yeah it it makes a lot of sense you guys are kicking ass and taking names in the EUC space they're kicking ass and taking names in the storage space both products are making things infinitely simpler and easier so yeah no it's it's a, it may not make a huge amount of sense when you first see it, but I, but I, 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 I hear it and I feel it now, sir. So um, look at, let's, let's look at the crystal ball for a minute, okay? So, I mean, as you mentioned there, I mean, EUC has, you know, blended and kind of morphed considerably in the last few years, you know, device proliferation, you know, work style changes, people are working from different places. You know, for 2016, 2017, where, where, where do you see us going? You mentioned apps already, but is there anything else in there that we need to be looking at as an industry? Yeah, I mean, I, um, it's funny. I watched this video a couple years ago. Um, Steve Jobs in 1997. You, you, go, you can actually go to YouTube and just do a search on Steve Jobs blank. And I think the title of the, the video is um, Preparing the World for Blank Hardware. And, and I, the reason I like that video so much and it kind of dovetails into the answer to your question is, you know, I've been a, a table-thumping proponent of non-persistent desktops. And sometimes they get cheered, sometimes they get booed. But what it really has come to kind of the forefront of my mind recently is what we're really talking about is stateless computing. Simply meant that the device that you hold in the hand or in your hand, no matter what it is, right, whether it's iOS, whether it's Droid, whether it's a variant of Windows, you know, or other, um, it might be Chrome, uh, you know, really has no state. Nothing about you, Andrew, or you, Jarring, that that actually um, introduces state, you know, lives on that machine. It, it lives somewhere else. And so where does it live? Well, it can live in clouds. That's kind of interesting. Uh, it can live on hyper-converged, you know, infrastructure in your private data center. It can live at maybe a value-added reseller's colo facility. And I'm, and I'm seeing more and more of that happen. And, and you know, I'm not one, it's funny, I, I used to say that cloud computing was a little bit like unicorns. Um, I believed, but I'd never seen one, so I remained a little bit skeptical. <laughs> um, I guess, oh, didn't we all? Didn't we? Yeah, I mean, and even today, I mean, even today, I mean, aside from Azure and maybe AWS, you know, a lot of this stuff is still kind of figuring itself out. And so I guess the way I'd answer your question is, Obviously, I think we're all going to continue to have really rich and robust devices either at our fingertips, in our pockets, or in our briefcases. I mean, I think that's a given. And I think that what we're all going to begin to figure out is what elements of state, meaning my documents or my settings or my apps or security posture or the policies that IT wants to you know, enforce on me, I think those are going to come into that workspace just in time. So it's almost like, um, I guess I would say my vision for 2016 and 2017 is we're going to get even better at this notion of non-persistence, but I don't believe it's going to be just about non-persistent VDI. I think that it's all going to be about more progressively stateless computing where we have rich and robust local processing, and yet we use the power of these amazing networks 
and, and maybe clouds that we've all built to leverage that. And it's funny because, you know, Steve Jobs, although Apple never did it, talked about in that video from 1997. I'll, I'll get you guys the link. Maybe you could post it in the show notes or something. But it, it literally gives me goosebumps. So I don't know. But I guess maybe a, as an Apple fanboy, it's one of the things I've, I've tried to get the Windows world more in line with uh, some of the things that, that Mr. Jobs saw back, you know, decades ago. Oh, no, that's fantastic. And, you, you, you know, your fanboy status is definitely safe in this regard. All right, I, cool. I think myself, <laughs> myself and Jerry would very much follow that, that train of thought as well. Uh, yeah. we're, both, we're both Mac boys. But um, yeah, just one thing you, you, put, you said there that really uh, struck a chord at me. I mean, I had the hardest, uh, the, the hardest time dealing with cloud computing in the same fashion that, it, you know, it was a buzz. Yeah. It was a unicorn, you know, show me something that's, that's logical. But I have to say in the last six to nine months, what I think Office 365 is a kind of a resounding example of where cloud needs to go, you know, it's uh, the way Microsoft, you know, I wouldn't have been the biggest Microsoft fan up until about a year ago for, for a number of different reasons, but they've well and truly won me back with that offering and the way, the way they're moving that, that service forward and obviously with, uh, you know, with your own uh, point there about, you know, stateless devices and, you know, having having that stuff travel around with you, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a perfect fit for, for what's going forward there. So, yeah, I, I shared your vision as well around cloud and I also share your, your realignment and, and reality check now that as, as things are starting to uh, starting to show themselves up, yeah, and it's um, it's interesting too. I mean, it's I know that one of the things we we kind of wanted to chat about here was I mean, a little bit of the the Liquidor Labs roadmap. And I got to be honest, I mean, an awful lot of it follows that Office three sixty five model. Meaning, what is it that we do for the enterprise today on premise that we might be able to do some interesting integration with Azure? Um, what is it about online and offline you know uses? I mean, it's funny. Uh, you probably remember this, boys, but in the early days of VDI, I remember going and meeting with customers, and the two things they wanted to talk about were, you know, overseas users in India, and then executives on planes. And they somehow thought that VDI was like the perfect fit for those two <laughs> use cases. And I'm like, hey, guys and girls, you know, it's not the suggestions of physics; it's the actual laws of physics. And you know, uh, the, the VDI and, and latency issues are going to be incredibly painful on planes and on beaches in Tahiti. I guess my point is that. You know, we look at this this prolific point of presence that Azure or AWS and some of these larger, more successful clouds have been able to to create, and the idea of putting bits and bytes that we manufacture up and, and allowing those to replicate our cash across the world that gets really interesting. And and I think that we can you know can't break the the laws of physics, but we can certainly. Uh, fool them, you know, by bringing things that you might need in that just-in-time model, you know, closer to you. So, you know, I think that's one of the the big things we're going to be focused on this year is, you know, how to bring that that vision that Microsoft and Nadella are uh, pontificating, you know, more in line with, or I guess, bring ourselves more in line with that vision. So, yeah, it's exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, um, that, it's so funny. Like you're talking about language today. That 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 plain use case uh, drove me absolutely nuts for yeah. for, for the <laughs> longest amount of time. Um, you know, people complain that they wanted to work on planes. I don't know about you, but I actually enjoy some downtime when I fly. You know, I I understand if you're on a plane every day, you might want to get stuff done. But there is such yeah. thing as an offline mailbox. You know, absolutely. <laughs> and, and then vendors came out with their with their workstation slash synchronizer products like Citrix uh, Zen clients and VMware Workstation, but you know. Know, as of today, both both products kind of look as if they've gotten the axe now. So it's obviously that wasn't that big a use case, you know. 
But I'm with you on that. I think that, uh, you know, I was blessed with the towering five foot four uh, stature. So for me, I'm, I, I sleep well on planes. So the idea of doing extra work, I'm with you. I enjoy the downtime, you know, catch up on my uh, Spotify offline playlists and, you know, maybe build a PowerPoint, but only if the meeting's like as soon as I land. But uh, yeah, I think that's the other thing too, is, you know, in that quest to build these productive workspaces, in that you know, quest to, you know, go out and conquer a market or participate, you know, boldly and loudly. At the end of the day, I think a lot of us just want to go home and watch our kids soccer practice. So I guess that if I could do something that, you know, contributes to that, um, you know, mission accomplished. Yeah, it's kind of funny about the the plane thing because I, I take advantage of the Wi-Fi now and I do some work um, on the planes. Yeah. But yeah, I do try to do some downtime, try to get some sleep because I sleep comfortably on planes as well. But yeah, that whole offline thing kind of, you know, that was always the funny use case back, you know, way back when. Um, yeah. But kind of getting on to, you know, yeah. um, more about, about you. So, you know, kind of away from like your day-to-day job, EUC, um, you know, what kind of market or technology are you watching and what excites you about it? Well, let's see. So it's probably three quick things that kind of are in my uh, my gravitational pull these days. And number one is I, I race rally cars on the weekend. So what I should say is I race rally cars a couple of times a year and I spend weekends fixing broken rally cars because, as you know, you uh, when you go and race uh, real roads on real cars or on real real cars on real roads real fast, things tend to break. Um, so that's kind of number one. I'd say Number two is actually wave energy. My father um, is a retired engineer, went to Villanova and, and then Wharton, and he's been competing in this Department of Energy Ocean Wave Challenge where, you know, you come up with an idea, you, you file your provisional patents, and it's pretty insane when you think about it. I mean, solar is a great source of energy, but it's not super dense, it's not super efficient, and let's face it, it's night, <laughs> you know, twice, uh, twice a day or, or at least half of the day. Windmills are pretty good. Um, the way wind stores the sun's energy is pretty efficient. But but ocean waves really are the most dense and the most robust um, you know form of of capturing or really nature's battery um, harnessing the uh, the sun's power. And it's funny one statistic that he likes to share is if you just look at the east coast of the United States, right? So from you know Maine all the way down to, to Key West, Florida, and then beyond, there's approximately three times. Three times, and this is rough numbers, but approximately three times the entire USA's energy appetite per day, just in those waves. And it doesn't even have to be a rough day out. So wave energy is, is pretty cool. And I'd say maybe the third thing that's kind of fun, and because it's a very tall leap for me, not being a super smart guy, is quantum entanglement. So this notion of, well, I've always kind of been enchanted with theoretical physics. It's become somewhat of a hobby. And again, we talk about these laws of physics and not the suggestions of physics. And quantum entanglement, in essence, is the association of two particles. And then you can, in essence, separate these particles an infinite distance. And when you change the spin or rotation or aspect of one particle, the other one instantly changes. And so you think about the ramifications of that on data movement, on you know information um, to be able to move information or data instantly. I mean, I'm talking about faster than the speed of light. I mean, faster than 183,000 you know miles per second or whatever the speed of light is these days. You know, I, I don't think anything in human history will compare to that. And and they're getting. I don't want to say they're getting close, but we're for the first time making you know logical advancements in the experimentation that proves that. You know, this this notion of quantum entanglement is a real thing. So, yeah, it's it, there's a lot of stuff that gets me 
kind of excited. Um, and it's, it's weird. You know, you try to keep your hobbies separate from work. But, you know, you start reading things about, you know, quantum physics or theoretical physics. And the first thing your brain goes to is, oh, man, how could I how could I bring this into end user computing? So the good news is that those are still still separated by about 20 years. So, uh, you know, it's enticing, but but not right on the front burner. So what about you guys? I, I've always been curious uh, what you guys are into for for ancillary techs. Is it the wearables? Is it, you know, stuff that we'd read about at CES or other geeky stuff like I'm into? What are so you guys into these days? My kind of getaway hobby is, um, you know, I like to I like to cook, and I'm like kind of like a little oh, cool. foodie. So I like cooking and learning random, you know, random things and different types of food and that kind of stuff. And the other one right now is um, I'm also restoring an FJ55. Um, I need to get back onto nice. <laughs> that nice. still sit in my garage, and I have parts in another garage, so I need to get back on that. So those are kind of the things that are kind of like my getaway things, but then. You know, there's like other things that relate to my kids and stuff. So, yeah, it's so. Go ahead, Andrew. I was just gonna say, yeah, my, my passion, my passions are ever shifting. Um, I uh, I kind of float from thing to thing to thing, but um, I think lately, uh, you know, my two kind of side gigs would definitely be, um, you know, application development. I love to mm. write software, uh, and it's not necessarily EUC focused. There, for for every one tool I release to the wild, I have another seven or eight kind of sitting on my storage at home, kind of going, "What what will I do with this? What can this do?" You know, so yeah. I I do love nothing more than to stick the headphones in and just have a bash in Visual Studio for a few hours to see if I can figure something out. That'd be that'd be that'd be one of them. The second one, and it's more of a more of a recent one, kind of the last eight months is, is fitness as a whole um cool. yeah I, I recently lost about seven stone uh in in weight and uh i've uh, i've taken up mixed martial arts uh which has been both painful uh but uh i i absolutely love it there is no better exercise than it and i always feel fantastic afterwards so, oh, so um, cool yeah i'm currently doing that about three days a week so they, they'd be kind of my outlets and then you know the I, I like jerry and i've got a young family as well so you know all of these things are very much dependent on whether things are going well at home with the kids so uh <laughs> yeah you kind of you, you kind of shelf your own interests in favor you know of, of everything else um you, you you pointed out a couple of really interesting yeah. um really interesting things there uh the, the wave energy one i you know i i, yes. I always i always wondered about but i never i never read about uh, and you know that is fascinating obviously with the with the you know obviously the tidal pull from the the, yeah. the moon and the energy that, that that could be harvested from the sea and what you know it's fantastic it, i mean yeah i mean i'm sure if we could figure out how to harness the energy from rain ireland could probably power the world but um <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, you know it's interesting uh, the, the last one you mentioned the quantum entanglements that is one i'm actually watching very very closely too uh I heard about I heard the the theory about a couple yeah. of months ago, and I'm probably late to the game as well. And the the, the sheer potential that has. I mean, I, I can't get my head around how it could possibly work, and I'm sure it'll be a long time till we f- we fully understand what exactly is going on here. But um, yeah, as you mentioned, the ability to communicate in absolute real time mm. is, is just it's phenomenal. What yeah. happened there? And I think it's fun too. And actually, you're not late to the game. It's only been, I think, in the last quarter or two that they've actually been able to, you know, kind of nudge things from, you know, theory into, you know, measurable. Aha! It's real. It exists. Now we need to go explore it later. So I think that, you know, maybe we're calling it here on frontline chatter. Maybe the the buzzword five years from now, you know, cloud will kind of diminish and. It'll be quantum this, quantum computing, quantum entanglement, you know, quantum brokers, <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, uh, but it's so cool to hear your hobbies as well. I mean, Jari, and I never knew that you were a foodie. I, uh, I need more of that in my life. And the mixed martial arts, man, that's cool, Andrew. I've always 
been fascinated by that. And I think it's one of the reasons I, I love your format here at Frontline Chatter is that uh, it gives all of us the opportunity, you know, to discover stuff I never knew about you too. That's really cool. Awesome. Yeah, no, wait, wait, that, that, that's one of our favorite questions. And, you know, whenever we send out feedback to, to, to our listeners, it's always the question that they absolutely love because it kind of gives you an idea of, of what makes people tick. And we've, we've had some fascinating, fascinating conversations. Only the last one from gun law to today to quantum mechanics to, yeah. to God only knows what next, you know. So it's a, <laughs> no, it's, it's a great question. And, you know, the Funline Chatter was, you know, Jerry and I, the core idea behind this podcast was to get to know more about people in the industry, you know, have those conversations and have everybody share from the learning so I, i'm glad you enjoy it uh, and um you know i, I really enjoyed this podcast um i'm just looking at the time where we, we've 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 won run way over so um tyler thank you so much for joining us um to before i close down i just wanted to thank uh, our sponsors liquidware labs uh, fs logics and controller for sponsoring us you guys are awesome and it allows us to do what we want to do uh, and over to jerry yes and, and thank you again for joining us today i uh, really enjoyed uh, our time with you and we'll have to get you down again sometime and discuss some more things. Um, but also, thank you to our listeners. Um, thank you for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast. Um, for myself, Jarian Gibson, and Andrew Morgan, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks.